Welcome to this series of Bible lessons on the New Testament. In these 42 lessons, we will teach the history of the Lord Jesus as delivered to us in the four Gospels. We will start with the days that led up to Christ's humble birth in Bethlehem. We will then look at his blessed ministry, his suffering, his death, and resurrection. His humble life on earth concludes with his ascension, and after this, the blessed outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, we will teach the calling and ministry of the greatest evangelist that ever lived, Paul the Apostle. These last lessons are taught from the book of Acts and include Paul's missionary journeys. Be sure to use the lesson guide with questions and knowledge exercises presented with these lectures. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. In Lesson 7 of our Bible study on the life and the ministry of Christ, we wish to focus on Jesus revealing himself to the Jews. We will see this in two parts. Part 1, when Jesus is cleansing the temple, which we can find recorded in John 2, verses 13 through 25. Then in part two, uh, Jesus and Nicodemus, which we may find in John 3, verses 1 through 17. So in uh, part one, we have Jesus cleansing the temple, as recorded in John 2, verse 13 through 25. Jesus has again traveled to Jerusalem, for the feast of the Passover. And then when he arrives at that temple square, then he sees and hears the noise of many animals, oxen and sheep in the temple square. What does that mean? What is happening? Well, we need to understand that many Jews have traveled either from outside of Palestine or from Galilee, to Jerusalem for the feast. And no, they could not bring their sheep or their oxen along. So when they arrive in Jerusalem, they would have to buy an animal for the offering. And so the Jews of Jerusalem have made it easier for them. They have brought the sheep and the oxen to the temple square so that they can buy them there. Oh, when Jesus sees this, it troubles him, how they are desecrating his father's house. Oh, he takes a small whip, a scourge, and he drives them out. He says, get thee hence. Why makest thou my father's house a house of merchandise? Oh, he sends the buyers and the sellers away. He sends the animals away. He cleanses the temple square. A little further, he finds the tables of money changers. And once again, we need to understand that many Jews did not live in Palestine, but still lived in foreign countries, such as, for instance, Egypt or Ethiopia. 
and they have not all returned to Palestine after the captivity. But many of these Jews were still practicing their religion and would still travel to the, uh, Jerusalem uh, for the Passover feast. But uh, then they would need money to put in at the box uh, for an offering. And they could not and were not allowed to put foreign money in. Uh, so they needed Jewish coin. Well, that is why those money changers were there. Uh, they were uh, changing the money of these uh, travelers so that they could offer uh, the Jewish coin. Uh, Jesus then overthrew those tables and drove them out of the temple square as well. Oh, that we may see how that Jesus seeks the honor of his father in what he does here. And uh, when the Jews think of this, uh, they think, who gave him authority to do this? And so they return to Jesus and they say, who gives you authority by what power do you do this? And then Jesus answers them and he says, destroy the temple, this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Oh, when the Jews hear this, they scoff. They say, what? It took us 46 years to build this temple and you will do it in three days? That can't be. But they did not realize that Jesus was not talking about the physical temple that we see in Jerusalem, but Jesus was talking about the temple of his body. That temple would be destroyed, and after three days, he would take it up again. He would be buried for three days, and then he would rise again. That was the sign that he gave to the Jews. Jesus remained in Jerusalem for the days of the feast. And during that time, he did other miracles as well. And then it says that many believed, but there were also those who had questions, who wanted to know more. And in part two of our lesson, uh, we will see one of those people, one of those men. His name is Nicodemus. And so we turn in part two to John 3, verses 1 through 17. <clears throat> and then we uh, see Nicodemus on his way uh, to the house where Jesus is. He does not dare to go during the day. He is afraid of what the people will think or what the people will say, especially because Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He is one of the rulers of the Jews. He is a member of the council of the Sanhedrin. Oh, what would the people think if they saw him going to Jesus? And so he goes at night. And he comes to the house where Jesus is. And when he enters this house, he says, Rabbi, Master, we know that thou art a prophet sent from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest. But Jesus does not even reply uh, to the words of Nicodemus. He goes immediately to the heart of what he has come for. He has come to seek and to save sinners. And so he says to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God.
When Nicodemus hears this, he marvels. He does not understand what Jesus is saying. He says, what? Must I enter into my mother's womb and be born again? He doesn't understand that work of grace. And then Jesus tells him and shows him the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. And he tells him and compares it to the wind. He says, Nicodemus, when the wind is blowing, you can hear the sound of that wind. But you do not know where that wind comes from. You don't know where that wind is going. But you do know that the wind is blowing. And so we also realize when the wind is blowing, we do not know where it came from. We do not know where it will go. But we do know when the wind is blowing. Jesus says, and so is the work of the Holy Spirit. You do not know whence it cometh, because it cometh from God, and it comes through the most hidden ways, the closed doors, and it enters the heart of the sinner. And that work of the Holy Spirit, then, is what convinces a sinner of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And so he uses this wind to explain to Nicodemus the work of the Spirit, how that God will convert a sinner in that new birth, that rebirth. And then he goes on and he uses an example as well to show that he has come as the Son of God, as the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of this world. And he points uh, to an Old Testament example uh, that Nicodemus uh, should know, because Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He ought to be able to explain this uh, to the people. And then Jesus says to him, as Moses lifted the serpent on the pole in the wilderness, and the people had to look at that serpent and believe, and they would be healed. He says, so the Son of Man has come from heaven, but he will be lifted up on the cross, so that all those who by faith may look upon him as that Savior on the cross, believing in him, they shall be saved, and they shall have everlasting life. Oh, then Jesus goes on to explain this wonder of grace. And then he shares with Nicodemus what we would consider the core link of the gospel, maybe the most precious text of the New Testament, John 3, verse 16, where we read, <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now we need to understand that verse correctly. It does not say that Jesus, that God loved the whole world. Oh, we know very well from the Old Testament uh, that it says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Oh, they were both circumcised. 
They were both Jews, but only Jacob was chosen of God, and Esau was damned, was condemned. And so what Jesus means here, for God so loved the world, his world, those people whom he has chosen from all eternity that are in this world, they are his people, they are his flock, and he so loves them that he gave his only begotten son, he gave the Lord Jesus Christ to come down upon this earth uh, to merit salvation and to apply that salvation to those sinners. Oh, he has died then for all his people. And then Jesus says, whosoever believes in him should not perish. Oh, we must always remember, Jesus did not come upon earth to condemn us. He came upon earth to save us. God has no desire in the death of the wicked, but that he may turn from his evil ways and live, that he may repent, that he may believe, and that he may be saved. And so that message comes to you and to me. Whenever that gospel message is proclaimed, we are called to look upon that cross of Jesus Christ, to believe in him, and then he will work that work of grace and wash and cleanse us from all sin. And only then will we be made partakers of that everlasting life. Only then shall we be saved. But we must always remember, there are many that are called, but few are chosen. Yet, it is our duty, our responsibility, to continue to seek and to pray that God would come to work with his Spirit in our hearts, and that he would show us that Savior and give us faith to look upon him. Oh, Nicodemus leaves again. <clears throat> we do not read much of Nicodemus anymore in the New Testament, but we do read of him on that day when the Lord Jesus was crucified. Then Nicodemus went with Joseph of Arimathea, and they buried Jesus. So we may believe that Nicodemus truly became a knight disciple of Jesus. Oh, he could not confess it in his life, but he did confess it when he buried the Lord Jesus. May that love for Jesus also be worked in our hearts to our salvation. Thank you.